Look in Romans again, 12th chapter, 3rd verse, Romans 12 and 3. He said, I say through the grace given to me, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. The measure of faith. Down in verse uh, 6, he said, uh, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And then it's understood the next verse, every one of these phrases he makes, he's saying you do that just like you prophesy in proportion of your faith. Verse uh, 7, ministry, wait on your ministering. How? In proportion to your faith. Teaching, how are you going to do that? In proportion to your faith, just like prophecy. The, the next part, exhortation, how, how will you exhort? You, you won't exhort or teach or preach or prophesy beyond your faith. You won't do it beyond your faith. Just like you won't speak in tongues beyond your faith, you won't prophesy beyond your faith. If you don't believe in it, if you don't expect utterance, you won't step out, it won't happen. And you can believe wrongly that it's just not for you or that God just doesn't do that for everybody, but it was a lack of faith on your part. He that gives, let him do it with simplicity and again in proportion to your faith. Your giving is tied directly to your faith, to your measure or proportion of faith. He that rules with diligence, you will lead, you will take the oversight of things in proportion to your faith. And there are people a lot of times will not take the leadership role. And so other people have to step up and take it out of necessity. They, they won't take it. They won't use their faith to lead. Everything you do, to do it right, to do it successfully, it takes faith. The just shall live. That's not just something you do on Sunday. It's how you live, how you walk every step. Say it out loud, I live by faith. I walk by faith. It's how I function. It's how you function. You should uh, blink your eyes in faith. I'm telling you, breathe in faith. Swallow in faith. Everything you do. Medication. Doctor's procedures. All these things. Nothing is going to help you like it could or should if you don't mix some faith with it. And if you're afraid of it, well, don't do it. But if you believe it'll help you, mix some faith with it. And do it, right? And don't try to push your faith off on somebody else. That's their body. It's their life. It comes back to confidence. Don't do anything in fear. But what you do, do it in faith. Right? And uh, the, the faith will always do you more good than the natural thing. It'll boost the natural thing. It'll help the natural thing. It'll go beyond it. Fear gives access to destruction and the enemy. But faith gives access. We've already been talking about that. 
to God, to grace. So uh, back up to the third verse again. He, he said, I say through the grace given to me, to every man not to, not to think. Now you'll notice in the King James, this word is repeated three times. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. There's an emphasis. Anytime you see, if something appears one time in the word, it's important. If it appears multiple times in a row, there's something very significant. The Spirit of God wants to get your attention, get you to focus on this. And this same word, think, in the King James, it can be translated minded. And there's actually a play on the word here. Let me read this to you in in a literal translation. They worded it like this. I say to everyone that's among you, not to be high-minded above what it behooves you to be minded, but think so as to be sound-minded. As to each God has apportioned a measure of faith. Another one says it like this, not to be high-minded beyond that which he ought to be minded, but to be minded unto (laughs) sober-mindedness. Now these are scholars' translations because we wouldn't notice this necessarily in the English. There's a play on the word. He's using the same word minded, repetitive, for emphasis. Everybody say minded. Minded. What's that got to do with the measure of your faith? Because that's the phrase he ends on. Let me read it to you again. Don't be high-minded above what it behooves you to be minded But think so as to be sound-minded as to each God has apportioned a measure of faith. We saw last night in Romans 5 and Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 3 that our faith is what accesses God's amazing grace. But how does this function? Go go to Romans, the 8th chapter. You're there in, in chapter 12. Go to, go to the 8th chapter. We saw on the first night, James talked about that God, the Lord said, or, or James, the Spirit of God through him, said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. A response. One of the worst things you can do is get used to praying without expecting results or doing anything without expecting results. It hurts your faith when you make confessions and they don't come to pass. When you pray prayers and they don't come to pass. When you do things and you don't see the results. I'm not talking about you don't see the results in three days. I mean you never saw the results in 20 years. That's not how it's supposed to be. And the problem is, you do it repetitively, you will get to where you don't expect. And that was a trick and ploy of the enemy that you worked into. We talked last night about, you know, I would ask, uh, I asked Phyllis just every day or two, you know, what are we excited about? Why would we be excited? Because we're expecting something. Why would we be expecting something? 
Because we believe something. We're in faith about something. We've heard from God about something. We believe something. We've done something he told us to do. And so we are expecting with a glad, confident expectation. We're expecting something to happen. Well, when you do what the Lord tells you to do and he says, you do this and I'm going to do that. If you do it, can you confidently expect him to come through and do what he said he's going to do? Then there should be results, response, results, manifestations, right? And so we must not let ourselves get into a rut of doing things in a religious routine, going through the motions, but not expecting anything to change or anything to happen. And you know as well as I do, millions of church-going people are in that rut. They go through the motions, they say and do the same things, but they're not really expecting something to change. They're expecting things to stay the way they have been for years. And that means there is no faith there. None. Which is why it's not going to change. There's not going to be any change. In uh, Romans 8. Notice this. He said in verse 5. They that are after the flesh. They do what? There's that word. Mind the things of the flesh. And they that are after the Spirit, the understood structure here is that they mind the things of the Spirit. Keep going, next verse. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What does that mean? To be carnally minded results in a manifestation and experience of death. This is not philosophical. This is not just mental. This is experience. Death. But to be spiritually minded results in manifestation. Oh, somebody say manifestation. Manifestation of life and peace. You experience life and peace. And there was a Godward part to it. There was a manward side to it. What was it? Your mind. Your mind. Our minds are such an important part of our walk of faith, of our fellowship with God, of us being spiritual. Notice he didn't say to be spiritual spirited (laughs) is life and peace. Why do I say that? Because people tend to think, oh, I wish I could just shut off this thing this mind, and just be spiritual. You mean mindless? 
There's no such thing. There's an inner man and there's an outer man. Where is your mind right now? Makes a difference. I said it makes a difference. Didn't the Lord say, take heed what you hear? He also said, take heed how you hear. And that's that same term for what measure, just like you talked about a measure of faith, what measure you meet to it, that's what will determine what's measured to you out of it. And that had to do with how you heard it. How you heard it. Somebody say, how you heard it. Jesus asked an individual one time that was asking him questions. He said, talk about a verse of scripture. He said, how do you read that? Not just what did God say. How are you reading it? Not just what was said or preached or taught. How did you hear it? I had a fellow one time when I was teaching at healing school at Brother Hagin's ministry. He came up at the end of the service and uh, the, the crowds were smaller and access was easier. And he said, uh, he said, now, now you said such and such and that just ain't right. And I said, no, sir. He said, what? I said, I didn't say that. He said, uh-huh. I said right there. I heard you. You said, and he quoted me supposedly. He said, you said, I said, no, sir. I don't believe that. I didn't say that. He said, you most certainly did. I said, well, they recorded it. There are tapes right back there in the back. Go find it. Then we'll talk about it. He said, well, I'm going to find it. I'm going to be back back tomorrow. And I said, okay. (laughs) Well, the next day, he was back. And and he popped up. I said, well, did you listen to the tape? He said, I did. I said, well, did I say that? He said, well, well, not exactly, but that's what you meant. <laughs> that's what you meant. I said, no, sir. I said what I meant to say. But see, he heard. He heard something else because his mind. Oh, come on. Are y'all with me? His mind was in a, a, a place where it was twisting what he was hearing. He wasn't even hearing what was actually being said, and he was certain that he was. I've seen myself. There was a, no, this was 30 plus years ago, there was a situation going on that I had had to back off of a situation because some folks wanted to get in strife and it was really annoying and aggravating and 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 um, I had been dealing with it for months and a, a fellow minister came up to me and uh, asked me if I was wanting to get a certain ministry equipment and thing of his and when he said it I I blurted out. I said, no, sir, I'm not trying to take your thing. He said, uh, 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 I didn't think you were. I wanted to know if you were interested. <laughs> and, and I thought, huh? See, I had been dealing with this other stuff, and I was, I was tired of dealing with that. 
And he's not even talking about that. He's not accusing me of anything. He just honestly wanted to ask a question. Have you ever done anything like that? So you heard, but you didn't hear. Your mind changed what they're saying and intending and doing. And you don't just live in your state or your town or your house. You live in your consciousness and your awareness, which is why there is no geographical place. There's no place of affluence or great structure to live in or car to drive in that's going to make you happy and give you peace and give you contentment. They don't exist that can give you that because it's not possible for a thing to give you that. The most perfect place in the world, the happiest place, the most fulfilling place to live on planet earth is in the middle of the will of God. And in order to live there, you have to hear from God and you have to hear right and think right and then follow through and do what you heard. Look at this again. Romans 8 and 5. Those that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh. Those that are after the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. There's an inner man and there's an outer man. And 2 Corinthians talks about that the outer man is perishing. And it is. The scripture said all flesh is like grass. It's like the flower of the field. It's born. It blooms. It fades. It dies. That's this body. That's this entire outer man. That's going on. Right, All of us are at some stage of that. But the inner man. The inner man is not decaying, is not aging and deteriorating, and never will. Never will. We are being renewed daily. Day by day, there is a renewment. See, God intended when he made Adam and Eve, they were that way physically too. The reason we age those who study these things tell us that the body is designed to regenerate and replace every cell in your body so many year cycle. Well, theoretically, if every cell is replaced with a new one every three years, every five years, every seven years, you should never die. You should never get old. Theoretically. But Because of the curse, the body will get to a place where when it replaces that cell, it doesn't quite get there perfectly. 
it's a little bit deficient of that. And then the next cycle is a little bit less. And, and that's when you start seeing wrinkles and gray hair. <laughs> and uh, it's not how God designed it. It's because of sin and the curse. But good news. I said good news. The trumpet's going to sound. And we're going to be changed. This mortal is going to put on immortal. This corruptible is going to put on incorruptible. And we'll have bodies that can keep up with our spirits. And we will never get old and decay and die again. Ever. Reincarnation is a myth. And a lie. Yeah, you heard me. Reincarnation is a lie. If reincarnation is true, the Bible is wrong. I choose the Word of God. So then reincarnation is not true. It's appointed unto men once to die. And after that is not another cycle. The judgment. <laughs> so now, you have not been here before. <laughs> I feel like I'm an old soul. Well, you just made just old in your thinking or something. But <laughs> this is your first time through, and it's your only time through. <laughs> to be mindful. Those that walk after the flesh, they are mindful of the flesh. What makes you carnal? Or what makes you spiritual? Your mind. Which is the focus of your mind. Now this this is the amazing thing. Spiritual warfare. Hold your place right here and go to 2 Corinthians. 10th chapter. Hold your place in Romans. We're... We're not done with that. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Ephesians says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Come on, sit out loud. Flesh and blood blood. is not my problem. It's not my my enemy. enemy. Now you've got to remind yourself of that. I said, you got to remind yourself of that on a regular basis or you will get embroiled in strife with people and you'll start believing lies that they are in your way, that they are holding you up, that they are their problem. And even the idea that if they were removed somehow, then everything would be okay. No, even with political figures that you're very unhappy with. If you say, well, man, if they, boy, if God would just take them out, it'd be wonderful. The enemy could put somebody three times worse than them in there by next week. (laughs) And it is never okay for you to hate. You're a child of God. It's never okay. If you don't care about their soul, And them being saved or lost. 
Something's wrong. You don't have to like everything they're saying and doing. But you got to care about them. You got to care about them. Where they wind up. What happens. Though we walk in the flesh. We don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And and that word can also be translated fleshly. Same idea we're reading in Romans. But they are mighty. Through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down what? Imaginations. And the word is also translated reasonings. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every what? Every what? Every what? This is where the conflict is. This is where the struggle occurs. And it matters where our minds are. It matters big. Go back to Romans 8.5. They that are after the flesh, walking in the flesh, walking as mere unsaved men, living a carnal, unspiritual, ungodly life is the result of what? Minding the flesh. Minding the things of the flesh. And according to the next verse, verse 6, to be carnally minded is what? Death. We are created in the very likeness and image of the Almighty Himself. We are not highly evolved animals. That's a lie. I said it's a lie. That's a lie. So I said, well, what about the, the fossil record? And what about the, the missing links? Exactly. <laughs> Have you noticed that evol- the theory of evolution got a major update recently? Oh, man. They decided, no, it wasn't just from the goo to the zoo to you. It was, there's a bunch of branches and a bunch of, why? Because the other wasn't working. Didn't work out. It's not, it doesn't fit. This is something that could help you. Yeah. What about the fossil record? It's real. There were dinosaurs. Sure. There were. There was a whole world that is gone. That's perished before humans came along. And there were other beings. Where did all these spirits come from? But they were not men. They were not men. When I say men, I'm talking about male and female. They were not men. They were something else. So might you find a bone of something? Who knows what you might find? That all happened before God made us. But they weren't men. They weren't us. And they weren't made in his likeness and image. We, the only record we have of that happening is us. Even the angels remarked, what in the world is a man? That God is so mindful of them and what he has done for them and how he, the place he has given them, how he has elevated them and and the, the ultimate plan. They just shook their heads going, wow, 
Have you ever seen God act like that with anything else? No. This man must be something. But then they're, they're stronger and mightier than us physically and other ways right now. And so they look at us and go, man, I just don't see what he sees in them. <laughs> look kind of puny that. Yeah, but you're seeing us in the early stages. We, we're just getting started. <laughs> God knows what he's talking about. He, he knows what he saw in us. He paid the highest price for us that's ever been paid for anything in the universe. That sets our eternal value. That never changes. You are the apple of his eye. You are precious to him. You are so valuable to him. As being made in the likeness and image of God, God is spirit. You are also spirit. God has a mind. You have a mind. God has a soul. You have a soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have a physical body. The Father is not limited to a physical body. Nor is the Holy Spirit limited to a physical body. Jesus took on flesh and became a human being just like other men and seated at the right hand of God is a flesh and bone body just like yours except it's glorified. Astounding. Amazing. But what we must understand is that we are able to function multidimensionally. We are, in fact, we are called to function multidimensionally. What do you mean? There's the flesh and this realm, and then there's spirit. There's the outer man and there's the inner man. Most of the human beings on this planet, their whole world is this. Just their whole existence, the entirety of their experience, once in a while they might get lost in thought a little bit and forget where they are, but it snaps right back to this. But the bigger dimension the greater part is the inside part, is the spirit part. And that continues, that was here before the material, and even after this heaven and earth is destroyed and removed. The Bible said this earth is going to, the elements are going to melt with fervent heat. It's not going to be saved. And the atmosphere and the heavens as we know them are going to roll up like a garment. And God is creating new heavens and a new earth wherein is no curse, no sin, no defilement, woo, no, no corruption, none. Oh, glory to God. The way we operate now, though, in order to be spiritual people, we got to be spiritual minded. Our connection with him is his spirit. He sent his Holy Spirit. 
to be our guide, to be our teacher, to be our helper. He said, he will guide you into all the truth. He will take of my things and show them unto you. Did you hear that phrase? He will take of mine and show it. Somebody say, show it. He will show it to you. He will guide you into all the truth. He'll bring to your remembrance everything I said to you. He will show you things to come. Show you, show you, show you. Come on, can you hear that? God intends to be showing us things. Showing us things. But you don't see them with your natural eye. And you won't see it minding the flesh. Focused on the outer man. The mind is the connector. Go to Matthew. The, uh, <laughs> thank you, Lord, the, the 18th chapter. Matthew. Oh, thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 18, 19. Thank you, Lord, for helping us. Jesus said that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Notice the next verse. For where two or three are gathered together in my name. Now put that with the verse you just saw, touching something through agreement. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, what? There am I in the midst of them. Now we know God is omnipresent, so why would it even be necessary to say that? Because this reveals he's manifesting himself. In this situation, because of the focus that is causing you to touch something that he also is going to touch and be involved with. Hallelujah. To be carnally minded results in a manifestation. Death. To be spiritually minded results in manifestations. Life. Peace. That's not just conceptual. Life is real. Peace is real. Have you ever experienced some peace? So many times when we say we sense the presence of God, a lot of times it's the, it's the heavy peace. And you just kind of want to slide down in your chair and go, oh, wow. Glory to God. Well, that's not just conceptual. It's a manifestation. What initiated that? What caused that to manifest there at that time? Much of the church world has believed it's kind of random. Nobody really knows, but it's obviously just all up to God. And so people practice begging 
for God to decide to show up and manifest sometime. And we really wish that he would do it more, but we don't know why he doesn't. Yeah, we do. We do know why. It's the mind. The mind connects to the things that result in manifestations. Genuine spiritual manifestations. The Lord reminded me of this some years ago, the first time I saw some of this. He reminded me of when I was a boy in rural Mississippi. And we had my granddad and and my dad, they had, I don't know, a couple of hundred acres of land. I mean, we were 15 miles from the smallest little town of any kind. Like one guy said, we had to go towards town to hunt. We we, we were out out back. And uh, (laughs) wasn't that bad, but it was, uh, you know, definitely country. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. In fact, the earliest part of my life, I was in uh, the largest city there in the state, and my dad was unhappy with the crime and stuff that was going on around us in that community and some things that had recently happened. And so he decided to move us to the country, and he would commute because he didn't want us growing up in the crime. And so, praise God, we we had a, a good country life. I mean... We were rambunctious. We were wild and free, man. <laughs> we ran, and there was other land that was connected to our land that just went on for hundreds of acres, and it was just raw land. I mean, forests and streams and ponds and snakes and alligators. And, oh, yeah, it was, it was fun. And so, man, I, you know, uh, when I was a little boy, you know, eight, nine years old, and ten. I thought I was Tarzan. <laughs> I watched Tarzan movies, and, and I got the yell down perfect. I learned how to yell. And we actually had vines in some of our trees, and, and, and man, I'd try swinging on them, and of course you find out they're not attached, and they come loose, and there was a lot of rough landings. And, but uh, when myself and some of my young friends we got together a little money. We bought a couple of nice tents. And so we went camping. We'd stay out. You know, we'd get our folks to let us go for overnight and sometimes even a day or two. And so we'd, we're camping out. And man, all day long, we're, we're swimming in holes of water that we know moccasins are in. But we'd splash around the edge, you know, and supposed to scare them away. And, and then we'd go. And you feel something against your foot and you go, ah, you, know, you jump out. And we knew there, there are all kind of critters and varmints around these parts, you know, but we were absolutely fearless, just fearless, run through anything, do anything, climb anything, try anything until at night and we got around the campfire and, um, we're eating our beans or whatever we got, and somebody invariably is going to tell a scary story. 
And then once they'd tell that, it got quiet, and then somebody else got to top that. They got to tell a worse, more scary story. And after this went on for a couple of hours, the Lord pointed out to me, the spirit of fear manifested. We would hear a, a click in the, in the trees. Oh, we'd turn around. What was that? What was that? I mean, during the day, we're fearless. And nothing's changed, and yet it has. What happened? Is the manifestation of the spirit of fear real? Oh, man, you could feel it. I mean, whoa, chills go up and down your back and goosebumps and... And you're hyper alert. And and there was nothing going on. What changed? What changed? Your mind. Your mind changed. Where you allowed your mind to go. Allowed your spirit to touch something. And allowed it to touch you. And the mind is the connector. We should have. We didn't know at the time. But we should have. Somebody tried to talk something scary and foolish. We should have shut it down and said no. uh, -uh. We're not talking about that. No. And then there would have been no manifestation of fear. Oh friends are y'all with me or not? To be carnally minded results in a manifestation of death. Does it matter what you think on? Yes. According to Romans 8, 5, and 6, what you think on, what I think on, is a matter of life and death. Is that true or not? Yes. Most people don't believe that. Most people don't believe that. They believe, oh, it was just a thought. You know, as long as you don't do it. And they are acting oblivious to the fact that spirit things are real. They are not imaginary. They are real. Evil spirits are real. The spirit of fear is real. Spiritual sorrow and grief and depression is real. It's not reasonable and logical. It's spiritual. That's why so many times people get, they get in such a terrible state of depression and it makes no sense. Why they're that way? Because it's not based on reason. It's spiritual, but it's still the result of where you let your mind go and where you let it stay. Brother Hagen uh, used to say this. He said, you, uh, you can't prevent a bird from flying over your head. But you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. And that is a perfect example. You can't prevent the enemy from bringing a thought or thoughts and feelings or suggestions or even temptations to you from the outside. But you don't have to sit there and think about it and ponder over it for the next five hours. You need to recognize it as soon as it starts coming. You need, that's why that passage in 2 Corinthians 10 Taken into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I gave this example sometime. I said, you know, every, every mind 
needs a bouncer at the door. And uh, what does that mean? Well, a, a, a thought or feeling comes to your mind and you, you open the little thing and go, who are you? Where you come from? Go to Philippians. <laughs> and you say, wait right there. Don't let them in. Don't let them in. Wait right there. I got to see if you're on the list. Huh? I got what list? The Philippians list? I got the list right here. I got the list. Y'all with me? Philippians 4 4. Rejoice in the Lord at least every Sunday for a few minutes. All the time. Let your moderation, that word means your, your reasonableness, be known to all men. The Lord's at hand. Be careful, full of care and anxiety for nothing. Can you do this? Is it possible to not take anxious thought and worry about anything? Is it possible? That was weak. Come on, we we need to answer this question. Most people don't believe it's possible. Most people don't. They're like, well, you know, you'd be depressed too if you're dealing with what I'm, I'm dealing with. Well, we can either do what the Lord said or we can't. Can you? Cast the care of it over on the Lord? Can you refuse to worry about it? Can you? Can you? He must have thought you could. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And uh, the peace of God, there'll be a manifestation. Somebody say, there'll be a manifestation. There'll be a manifestation. If you do what? If you refuse to worry and instead pray in faith and give thanks to God. There will be a manifestation when other people are freaking out. You will have some peace. Because you did what he told you to do or I did what he told me to do. And he said, the peace of God which passes all understanding... It will not be reasonable that you are as calm as you are. It just won't seem feasible to people around you. They're like, you know, bless their heart. They don't even know what's going on. (laughs) They're out of it. No, you just got peace that's beyond understanding. Passes understanding. It will keep your heart and it will keep. Your mind, somebody say, the peace of God is keeping my heart. It's keeping my mind. I don't have the spirit of fear. God didn't give me the spirit of fear. And I don't receive it. I have the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I have the mind of Christ. The anointed mind is mine. But now this is not the end. This is not the end of the passage. Verse 8. Finally, brethren. So see, he's still talking. Finally, brethren. You got to check the list. Thoughts, feelings, suggestions, temptations. They come to your mind. 
The enemy can bring them. It's a presentation, a thought, a feeling, a suggestion, a temptation. It could be exciting. Let me in. Let me in. Let me tell you all about it. Let me show you. Let me show you. And you need to, you do not just need to throw the door open and say, yeah, come on in. Because to be carnally minded will result in a manifestation of death. Not necessarily mean that you'll physically die the next day, but something will die. Something in your life, somewhere, somehow, will die. Thank God we know somebody that can resurrect. Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, do what? Come on, help me out. Do what? Do what? Do what? What if it's a bad report? I cannot think on it. I am commanded not to think on it. It's a bad report. I look through there. What, what are you? I'm a bad report. You can't come in. I, I, I can only think about good reports. Amen. And what are you? I'm ugly. Well, I, I only can do lovely. <laughs> ugly? I am sorry. That's so good. Amen. I can't think ugly thoughts. Only lovely thoughts. Lovely thoughts. First, what was the first one on the list? True. True. Oh, my word. I have seen Christians and ministers just go crazy in these last couple of election cycles. Believing all kind of stuff that nobody has any proof for. No demonstrated confirmation of it. Just because somebody tells you something, that does not mean you know anything. Yeah, but they got it from a reliable source. You know, somebody that was in the know. And it was on the internet. So, you know. Well, okay. You need to ask yourself continually. Phyllis and I, we, we do this all the time. We've seen Seems like you got to even do it more these days. I keep telling myself, how do I know that? How do they know that? Before you get all worked up, is it true? Who said it was true? How do they know? Were they there? Were they involved in it? How do I know? And I, I just keep telling myself all the time, you don't know. Relax. You don't know. You weren't there. The Lord didn't say anything to you about it. You don't know. So if I don't know, I need to chill. Is that right? And I don't need to be posting stuff. I don't know. Come here with me. We've had people that we just shake our heads. They should know better. Sending these crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, it happened. You don't have a clue what happened. Wake up. Too many of God's people are so gullible. They're so easily deceived. 
You just tell them anything. And they just, they want to get mad and fight about it this afternoon. Never checked it out. Don't have a clue. And where's the love? Where's the love? The scripture says in James, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. You getting all mad, you getting upset will not result in what God says is right. Or right being accomplished. I know a while back when the thing happened with uh, Afghanistan. I watched the news for a few days and it was upsetting me so much. It was making me mad. I realized you've got to stop this. You've got to quit watching this. Pray, but you've got to quit watching this. Because what happens then is that anger taints everything in your life. There's an edge about you. And folks may not, they don't even know what it is, but you just, you got a, a hardness to you. And you got a, there's something that's just like you're, you know, upset about something. And because, because you are. And it will, ministers, it flavors your ministry. It taints it. It flavors it, and not in a good way, in a bad way. And again, it's where your mind is. And so much of it, you've got to keep telling yourself, uh, I don't really know what happened. What is true? I can't let it in my mind unless I know it's on the list. And number one says it's true. If I don't know it's true, then it's got to stay out till I find out. I can't let myself get carried away, think about it, build all this stuff up about it. Because what happens is people start talking about, well, I think maybe that's what happened. Could have been. And after a while, they decide, yeah, that's what happened. That's what happened. And then after months, people forget it was never verified. <laughs> what do you think? Where's your mind? Well, see, you can tell by the state that it puts you in. What did Isaiah 26.3 say? Thou will keep him. Keep. You don't just visit there. You live there. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Man, this is a word. I believe the literal says it like peace, peace. And the King James, that's pretty good too. What is peace, peace? It's peace, brother. This is... This is perfect peace. This is complete peace. Does that sound good to anybody? In a world full of hate and fussing and yelling and screaming and judging and fault finding. And and you could be so serene without any pharmaceuticals. Just just God peace. But who's that going to happen for? Help me out. Who's that going to happen for? All Christians? No. All faith people? No. All churchgoers? No. 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 All Bible readers and prayers? No. No. It's only going to happen for people who will get a hold of their minds and focus them where they're supposed to be and keep them. Keep them focused Where they're supposed to be. His mind is what? 
stayed on thee. And I'll just tell you right now, you already know it. This is one of the most challenging things you will ever do in your life. Is learn to control your mind. Sadly, most of the population is not even trying. And you can also you can see it in their life. The chaos, the lack of peace, the confusion, all the other stuff. You cannot be spiritual without developing powers of focus and concentration. I heard that from Brother Hagin. He used to talk about that. He used to talk about even as a young minister. He's in the house with two young kids and a lot of stuff going on. But he learned how to sit at his desk in the same room with all of it going on and tune it out and focus on the Word of God and the things that the Lord told him. And that is a big part of being a spiritual person. Am I just saying this or is that what our text said? Those that walk after the flesh, why are they that way? Because they mind the things of the flesh. Those that walk after the Spirit are spiritual, walk in the Spirit. Why are they that way? Because they mind the things of the Spirit. Then he repeats the whole thing. For to be carnally minded, which is flesh minded, outward minded, is what? That's why it is so depressing. It's so, what's the word? It's so strength sapping. When you focus on all the junk in this natural world and all the problems with the flesh and problems with ungodly and fleshly people, I mean, there's no end to all that's wrong down here. And if you'll listen to it and you'll think about it, the enemy will feed you this stuff and you will stay perpetually upset and mad about something. All the time. And as soon as you get over the hurdle on one thing, if you do, there'll be something else to be upset about and something else to be mad about. And you will stay that way. Myself, I've had to stop feeding even on some programs and things that I used to watch some. I'm talking about news programs and, and that kind of thing and talk programs. They have gone totally negative and they Every other phrase is judging somebody. And, and I'm, there are some problems in the world. I know that. But am I going to be a help to change by just agreeing and cursing the darkness and yelling and shaking my fist? And, or does somebody around here need to pray and get in faith? Somebody around here. Needs to get a hold of their mind. And how many times do I need to hear the same thing rehashed? How many times? See, there's a purpose. There's a spiritual purpose from the enemy in that he wants to sow that into your spirit. So that you hear it so much that even while you're sleeping, it's going over in you. And you wake up mad and upset. You you keep doing that year after year. You'll get violent. 
You get to where you want to hurt somebody. You want to make it happen. By force. And if you do that, you have left the Holy Spirit. You've left him. It's the enemy who is the forcer, the coercer. He's going to make you do it. Go with me to James, please. And anything we're, we're talking about, don't just know, I don't know if I agree with Brother Keith. Think about the verses we're talking about. Look at these verses. They are what matter. In James, the third chapter. Oh, hallelujah. I'm keeping my mind stay on the Lord. My mind stay upon the Lord. I'm keeping my mind stay on the Lord. He's my meditation night and day. Didn't Joshua say the word of God to him? If you'll do that, you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. Didn't he say that? And that's right back to your mind. Where's your mind? You want to sneak up on yourself every once in a while. From behind. See what you're thinking about. And sometimes you go, you have to go, why'd you let them in? You know better than letting him in. All he's going to do is lie and say something negative and kick him out, kick him out. He's not on the list. You must say, not on the list, not on the list. Why? Got to be true. Got to be honest. Got to be just. Got to be pure. Got to be lovely. Got to be a good report. Got to be virtuous and praiseworthy. And I can think on those things. I'm commanded to think on those things. And how many know where you can find things like that? This book is full of things like that. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, etc., etc. James 3 and 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Meekness of wisdom. The more the Lord lets you see and know and understand the more humbly you should talk about it. Because something that turns people off is a know-it-all. And you know what I'm, I'm learning? One, an important thing, teachers and preachers, is to learn when not to teach. Why? Well, I'm a teacher. I'm a preacher. I'm wired that way. I'm, I'm anointed and graced that way. But it doesn't mean I'm supposed to teach everybody I meet everywhere I am all the time. I'm not supposed to try to say everything I know or everything I see or everything I perceive. Actually, the, some years ago, the Lord gave me this phrase he, with a person. He said, son, it's not what you know. It's not what you see. It's not what they need. It's what will they receive. And only the Holy Spirit knows that. And many times it's not you that it's to come through. 
it's somebody else. And all you're to do is smile and be nice to be around. And you may know all kind of things, but beware of every time a conversation comes up, you launch into your teaching and preaching and Greek words and all this kind of stuff. I'm sure I've made mistakes myself. But there are times you just need to smile and listen. 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 And not try to teach or correct or any of those things. Husbands. Wives. (laughs) Parents. Parents. I've talked about this before. My, My dad's in heaven now. My earthly dad. And one of the great, without question, one of the greatest things he ever did for me was listen to me. When I was 8, 9, 10, 13, especially when I was 15, 16, we had a giant oak tree with a big swing in it down south. And sometimes I'd sit with him in that swing and I'd talk to him for an hour and he might make three statements. He wouldn't try to correct me. And I'm looking back now, all the stuff I was saying... As a 10-year-old, as a, you know, how much do you know? But he treated me like I was important and like what I had to think and say was significant. Man, it did amazing things for my confidence. I mean, as an elementary kid, I took a cane and a hat and, and got on the platform and did an ensemble for the, the class. And I had no fear. And thing after thing after thing, you got to watch about always trying to tell people what you think about it, always trying to teach them, or always trying to correct them. So many times, one of the most wonderful things you can do is just listen. Just be there. Show that you care. Us teachers and preachers, we, we especially need to watch about that. Verse 14, but... If you have envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Everybody say devilish. Devilish. So now he's talking about things that are actually of the devil. And the very next phrase says, for where envying and strife is. There is confusion and every evil work. Now, the next two verses are a big part of this too, but for time's sake, let's just touch this. God is not the author of confusion. God is not in confusion, some translations say. But here we have a manifestation of confusion and of every Evil, the previous verse used the word devilish. Thing, work. When we first started in the ministry, we first began to have staff. Anytime you got staff, you could have potential strife. Because people are people. They got flesh. People can get at odds with one another. They can, you know, get upset with one another for a myriad of reasons. And um, one day in, in prayer... 
the Lord quickened to me. There had been some kind of little disagreement. It wasn't a big deal. but uh, And then in the church, we started the, the new church. There was a couple of things here and there. Not giant, but... And the Lord gave me a directive. I mean, strong. That I was to lead. And that if I was always giving in to other people, doing what they wanted, who would be leading it? It wouldn't be me. And that I would stand before him and give an account. Not them. And that I was to lead. And one of the things I was to lead in, we were to absolutely have zero tolerance for strife. And I, and I just sat back as the Lord was ministering to my spirit. And he went on to, he brought this verse to me. Where these things are is confusion and every evil work. And the spirit of God quickened to me. That is the manifest presence of the devil. Should the devil's presence be manifested in our churches and in our offices? But is it? Oh, strife is everywhere. And that's no, that's no accident. The enemy, all of his, I don't know how many million evil spirits he's got, but they are working without ceasing to start something. This one against that one. That one against this one. They didn't do this. They should have done that. They slighted you. I mean, the enemy is doing this nonstop. It really is irritating. And you can't stop him doing this, but you can stop yourself from minding it and focusing on it and dwelling on it and getting mad and getting hurt. How did Cain get to the place where he killed his brother? How? It's just, it's unreasonable. It's irrational. Abel didn't do anything to him. He loved God, so he gave God his best. What's that got to do with his brother? But the devil, being the liar and the deceiver and the confuser and murderer that he is, he started feeding him thoughts. Yeah, look at him up there, you know, showing off his fluffy sheep. And he just... He just did that to show you up. Did you see that little smirk on his face? When God said, oh, that's a good one, Abel. You see, he turned over there and looked at you. And he probably didn't even do it. But we already talked about how that if your mind's in the wrong place, you don't even hear things right. You, you don't even see things right. And he got to the place. I don't know if it was days or weeks or whatever it was. But he got to the place where he is fully convinced that his brother is the cause of all his trouble in the world. And he he is so mad and in such a rage that he lost his reasoning and he killed his own brother. And you know he regretted that the rest of his life. But it was something that he couldn't change. Because he let his mind go there and stay there and death resulted. Strife is part of the manifest presence of the devil you got to make up your mind. You will do whatever it takes. You will make great sacrifices to stop strife. 
One of the perfect examples. If we had time, we'd spend another hour on it right now. But Abraham and Lot. You remember that? And God is blessing them so much. And it should be a time of being happy. Man, we've got so many cows, we don't know what to do. And, and yet, it's an issue with water and grazing land and stuff. And, and so, uh, not necessarily Lot and Abram, but their staff begin to bicker. And begin to vie for the best water spots. And vie for, they got to get up early and get to that pasture first before they get over there. And then they're mad because they thought, didn't they know this is my week for for such and such. And there developed this this back and forth, this this irritation. And that is the manifest presence of the devil. That's the devil manifesting himself. Because people are allowing it. And even under the old covenant, Abram, being the man of God and man of faith that he is, didn't send somebody. He came himself to Lot. And you talk about agreeable, amenable. He said, look, we cannot have this strife. You tell me what you want to do. But whatever it takes, the strife is ending today. You tell me where you want to go. I will go the other way. Yeah. Was that easy? No. There, there's dry desert land all around here. I mean, you, then you're going to have to believe God. Yeah, but he knows how. Amen. Come on, can you see that? Yeah. Can you see that? They did not sue each other. No. Amen. Do you know that Corinthians, the Holy Ghost, forbids believers to sue each other? Do you know that? Yes. Yeah, but yeah, but no, 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 yeah, buts. It's forbidden. The scripture says you should allow yourself to be defrauded. If that's what it takes to fix it, what does that mean? If they come and they slap you on one side, you can let them slap you on the other. Well, I, don't, I, I don't know about all that. Jesus said it. And if they come and they want to take part of your garment, you let them, Jesus said, let them have it. Let them have the cloak too. Really? Really? Oh man, Christians are not doing this. They are fighting. They are, they are demanding. They are suing. They are, well, you, you got to stand up for your rights. Where's that scripture? Where? Where's that scripture? You, you, you can't let people just run over you. Where's that scripture? Where's it at? The scripture actually says in these kind of situations, let them have it. Let them have it. And here's the thing. If you're a real man of faith, a woman of faith like Abram, how could he do that? Because he knows God. And even though he didn't say it, he's like, you can take advantage of me today if you want to, but I'm going to wind up owning this whole thing. (laughs) Life is short. You better think about this. But he had enough faith to let him take 
the best land, the best water, the best grazing. And he took all his stuff and went. And, and they had to make a lot of changes in their plans and in their schedules and all this stuff. But you remember it wasn't long. God said, come here, come here, come here. Look this way. Look that way. Took him, look the whole thing. He said, I'm giving it all to you. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.